and welcome to Understanding Your Fertility. Today's topic strikes a chord with a lot of us. If you are a woman and you want to eventually start a family, this podcast is for you. As most of us know, the magic age when the chances of pregnancy for a woman begin to decline is age 35. Dr. Byrak discusses why we even use that number and what is happening to a woman's body at that time. He explains low egg reserve and egg quality and what that means for you if you're 30 years old versus 40 years old. Listen, I am so excited about this episode. I got so much great information out of what Dr. Byrak had to say. I'm definitely going to send this to all my friends, Um, and I would even send this to women in their 20s because I know I didn't have this information for myself in my 20s, and had I known, I might have made different plans for myself. Who knows, maybe not, but I say the more information, the better. So sit back, and I hope you enjoy this episode. A podcast series specially curated to answer all your questions about fertility with fertility specialist Aikut Bayrak. And I am your host, Ara Behagen. Hello, Dr. Bayrak. So you've had a very busy day, I've seen. Yes, hello. Thank you, Araba. Um, we did have a busy day. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. I caught you at the tail end, so thank you for taking the time here to discuss a very hot topic, which is um, over the over women over the age of thirty-five and trying to get pregnant. Um, many couples are waiting later and later in their lives to start their families. And once a woman is over 35, it becomes increasingly more difficult to get pregnant. So the question is, why is age 35 specifically so significant? And what is happening to a woman's body at that time? So the reason why age 35 came about really comes from testing during pregnancy. That's really where 35 number comes from. Hmm. And it really comes from testing for Down syndrome. So just historically, it used to be a routine up until probably the early 2000s that if somebody was pregnant at the age of 35 or, or older, their doctor would recommend an amniocentesis to test the baby to make sure that the baby doesn't have Down syndrome or other chromosomal issues. And the reason for that was there was a more of a trend or increased risk at an over the age of 35 for having a Downs baby. Uh, So there's some merit to that in the sense that if it's a Downs, it may be coming from the egg. If the egg is abnormal, that may be due to egg quality. That may be due to changes in the egg reserve. So it's kind of all tied to the egg reserve and quality. Uh, So 35 was that magical number back then. I think it still exists today, even though uh, there is no such routine recommendation to do amniocentesis for a long time. So if you're 36, your doctor will not say you will have an amniocentesis because there are many other screening test tools that are not invasive Mm -hmm. 
and amniocentesis invasive, obviously, that we can offer women so we can screen them for chromosomal issues or Down syndrome while they're pregnant. So that's where 35 really comes from. Now, when we look at fertility and the decline in fertility, the um, concept of the egg quality and quantity, I think is really important to understand. And I think that will also explain why mid-30s, early, mid, or late 30s are important age ranges where fertility actually can change dramatically. So women are born with a finite number of eggs, and those eggs decline to about half by the time somebody gets their first period or goes into puberty. Wow, that's significant. I didn't realize that. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you start with about a million or so, or a little more than that, you go down to half a million in about 10 to 12 years, 10 to 14 years. Mm -hmm. And then from that point on, egg numbers always go down. Hmm. They never stay the same. Even if you're on birth control pills or you have multiple pregnancies or no pregnancies at all, you have regular cycles or irregular cycles, it doesn't matter. Uh, the ovaries, they have a clock called a biological clock, uh, commonly known as, and um, that results in eggs developing randomly at a given time and a certain number, which then brings the quantity down consistently. So the quantity always goes down, but it doesn't affect the quality for many years. Oh, right. So if we take an 18-year-old girl, compare the egg reserve to a 25-year-old uh, mm -hmm. person, the 18-year-old is going to have more eggs, right? Logically, mm -hmm. right? But the fertility rate is not that different between 18 and 25, right? Or if somebody's 22 versus 28, yes, the 22-year-old has more eggs. Quantitatively, right? In terms of numbers, they have more eggs. Younger we are, the more eggs we have, right? But is there a dramatic difference clinically? Is that relevant clinically? And the answer is no. The decline in the egg reserve is more steady up until age 32. So the magical number actually in fertility is about 32, not 35. But still 35 is out there because of Down syndrome screening, right? And then people still use that. And we use that too still. And patients still come in and say, I'm 35. I need to have a baby, right? So that kind of stuck with us because of that screening um, you know, from back in the day. So 32 is really when we see that dramatic change in the quantity, mm -hmm. which then starts affecting the quality. Gotcha. Okay, I'm 42 and I have a lot of friends who are between age 35 to 45. And I just had a phone call today actually from a friend who's 40 and she's um, wants to know her egg reserve. But this is a common question that I hear all over the place. And she wants to know basically what her baseline is. How, how can she tell if her egg reserve is very low? Is it age only? Is the only test or, or is the only criteria of low egg reserve or do you actually, um, as a fertility specialist, obviously you have other other testing that you do. So what would you recommend to my friend who's 40 and she's she wants to test her egg, her egg reserve? Egg reserve testing is fairly standard these days. And regardless of age, it can be done. So for your friend who's 40, her egg reserve 
has certainly declined without a doubt because that's just natural, normal, physiological, right? Mm -hmm. The best way to determine the egg reserve is to get checked at a fertility clinic because we do that all day long. Um, and we have all the tools and tests and assessments that are available. So uh, checking the egg reserve is done typically through two main modalities, one of which is checking the hormone levels, mm -hmm. typically on the first few days of the menstrual cycle. So we tell all of our patients to call us with the onset of their period, first or second day. And we try to see them on the third day, if not second day, third day, fourth day, mm -hmm. uh, at least within the first few days, first five days. So we can do an ultrasound, examine their ovaries, mm -hmm. see how many baseline eggs are present for that month, for that cycle. So the ultrasound will actually show you the follicles. Are we looking at follicles? Are we looking at the actual eggs that are developing right so we're looking at follicles right okay. so follicle is a structure mm -hmm. that has the egg inside mm -hmm. eggs are microscopic so mm -hmm. we cannot see them on ultrasound or with naked eye but we can see the structure that the eggs are in which is called a follicle gotcha and the follicles become visible after a few months of development in the ovaries and once then somebody comes in for an ultrasound we are able to see follicles on ultrasound and count them. And if somebody has a good egg reserve, then they're going to have a lot of follicles available uh, for that month. In a way, if the ovaries have a lot of eggs, egg reserve is good, somebody is you know, young or uh, their egg reserve is great, then the ovaries will be generous in a way. Mm -hmm. So they'll provide a lot of eggs to choose from for that cycle. And that's the best way to determine if somebody has a good egg reserve or not. But we just don't stop there. We look at overall the position of the ovaries, mm -hmm. the size of the ovaries, whether there are any cysts or not, mm -hmm. whether there are any symptoms of any other possible coexisting diseases, inflammatory processes, possibly endometriosis, which is fairly common in the infertile population. In addition to that, we draw blood that day. And we check mm -hmm. reproductive hormones. So it's a blood hormone level. And based on the level, we can tell if somebody has good egg reserve, low egg reserve, or age-appropriate egg reserve, which is an important concept to understand. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you see patients in their 40s and they have somewhat, quote-unquote, abnormal hormone levels. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, my hormone level is low. Uh, well, that depends on what you're comparing that hormone level to, right? So if you're comparing your egg reserve to a 30-year-old, yes, it's going to be low without a doubt. So right. you kind of have to understand and stratify based on each age group and whether the egg reserve is appropriate mm -hmm. for that age group. Uh, so I, I see women sometimes who come in and they say, well, my FSH, for example, which right. is a hormone level, is 10. And I heard that's abnormal. Uh, well, I mean, if you're 42 and your FSH is 10, that's normal for that age group. Uh, if you're 30 and your FSH is 12, mm -hmm. that is very abnormal mm -hmm. for that age group. And if your FSH is 25 and you're 50 years old, mm -hmm. that is absolutely normal and within the normal range. Mm -hmm. So hormone levels change dramatically with reproductive age. So mm -hmm. it's just not one value but rather 
evaluating the patient as a whole, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. oftentimes gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people do home testing. <clears throat> sometimes people test uh, their fertility potential with certain kits. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're fine for the most part, but it really doesn't give you kind of that the detail that we want, mm -hmm. which sometimes changes our management. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important to get the testing done. If somebody is suspicious of declining egg reserve or somebody who's 40, like your friend, mm -hmm. and says, well, I would like to know where I'm at. The best next thing that person should do is to make an appointment with a fertility doctor mm -hmm. close to where she lives. Mm -hmm. And then they will almost always call that person in when she gets her period, mm -hmm. check hormone levels, do an ultrasound, overall, obviously, take a detailed history, mm -hmm. family history, personal history, to see if there are any other risk factors. Mm -hmm. Because once again, we always evaluate um, the patient as a whole. I mean, you know that, how we treat patients right. at LAIVF. But, yeah. uh, so it's just not the hormone level only. Somebody may have an abnormal hormone level, but overall she may be very healthy mm -hmm. and her chances may be good. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody may have a totally normal hormone level, but she may have other issues. And that person may need more attention than the other person who has abnormal hormone level. So you just can't say, oh, the hormone level is good and I'm, I'm done, it's good, or it's slightly abnormal and I have no chance. That will be really an incorrect uh, approach or assessment. Right. So uh, let me let me ask this then. So for my friend who's 40 and she she's going to get testing for her hormone levels and let's say they're they're appropriate for being 40. But that also means what's appropriate is that she has very low egg reserve. That's appropriate for 40 is what I'm understanding. Um, right. So uh, that's all relative. Mm -hmm. So at age 40, if you compare her egg reserve to another 40-year-old, which is mm -hmm. what we should be doing. Gotcha. So um, if she has an average egg reserve for a 40-year-old, then we'll tell her your egg reserve is normal for your age group. Mm -hmm. And that's important. And at age 40, if somebody's single, thinking about fertility, that is really time to act because after 40, every six months to a year is going to be different. Six and months the, to a year. So six months, there's a significant change. It can, absolutely, wow. at that age group compared mm -hmm. to somebody in their 20s. Mm -hmm. So right. if you're 21 versus 22, or let's say 21 versus 25, I mean, yes, maybe there's a tiny bit of difference in terms of the egg reserve quantity, but quality-wise, it's irrelevant. Whereas if you're 40 versus 45, that's a dramatic difference mm. um, in the egg reserve and response to any treatment that you're going to undergo. Um, so that's why if somebody is um, over the age of 35 thinking about fertility, they should get tested immediately. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that they should intervene or mm. do something active like freeze eggs, embryos, or get pregnant or whatever their desire is. That doesn't mean that they have to get treatment immediately, but they should at least get tested to see where they're at so that they are informed mm -hmm. and then they can make a decision uh, based on that information. Okay, that's great information. And I also want to make sure that I ask about the exact, just because in the press and you know we've heard about the hormone levels and because of these home testing i just want to 
make sure that I get the names correctly as far as like, so we're testing FSH. Right. So we're testing FSH, which Uh stands for follicle stimulating hormone. Okay. We're checking their estrogen hormone or estradiol Mm -hmm. to be exact. Mm -hmm. We're also adding on another hormone level called AMH, which stands for anti-mullerian hormone. Mm -hmm. So these three hormones are almost standards when somebody comes in to um, get their ovarian reserve examined Mm -hmm. and alongside with the ultrasound. So once again, FSH, estrogen or estradiol, same thing, and the AMH hormone levels are typically checked. And are these hormone levels, does each hormone do a different thing in our body or is responsible? So why do we need to look at all three? Um, Well, they are the messengers in our body and they do affect each other's production in the body. Mm. So that's why if you just measure FSH and if it's normal, that may sometimes be falsely normal. And that's why you always have to combine it with estrogen level. So if somebody has an FSH that is low, but her estrogen is high, that means that FSH is falsely low. AMH is a more reliable marker, but it's still not a perfect marker. Some people have normal AMH, but they have low egg reserve. Some people have normal FSH and they have low egg reserve. So that's why we do the ultrasound and the hormone levels, and we combine that information. And once again, I'm going back to that evaluating the patient as a whole Mm -hmm. and not just looking at one laboratory value because we never treat patients with just one laboratory value. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why uh, it's important to take a look at all three, um, Mm -hmm. and they work together in terms of time, you know, we can't go into every single detail about what these hormones do and whatnot. But the important, I think, message here is that if somebody is interested in checking their egg reserve or suspicious of their uh, reserve declining because of advanced reproductive age, these three are the ones that they should check. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I have a feeling, I know this is the question I have, and I, I wonder if this is common, but is there anything a woman can do to improve the quality of her eggs naturally without without any medication or or doing anything? Um, I mean, as far as like, can she, is there natural, I mean, by does exercise help? Does eating right help? Eating certain foods, you know, this pineapple is super popular, like... <laughs> eating pineapple or, you know, what, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And so I think it's really helpful to have your, your uh, medical advice on this. You're right. So that's a common question. You know, what can I do to improve my fertility? What can I do to improve my egg reserve? So uh, we are born, well, women are born with a finite number of eggs. And even though Maybe about 10 years ago, there was some talk about identifying stem cells in the ovaries and possibly stimulating them to create new eggs. That really never panned out, actually. So there was this discussion about possibly creating new eggs in the ovaries from stem cells. But so far, we have not really seen any developments on that, which then uh, leaves us with the the conventional information that we've had for 
decades, which is the fact that women are born with a finite number of eggs. And over time, there's a decline in the egg numbers. There is no surgery, medication, supplements that is going to reverse that process. Mm. There's nothing that we know of uh, as of this uh, November 17th, 2020, because these days you never know. You wake up in the morning and there is news about something, right? So let's right. make sure we get the date right. right. Um, right. And uh, so, so far, to our knowledge, there is no medication or approach or intervention that's going to preserve eggs in the ovaries and delay menopause. So there's nothing to that extent. There's no supplement that's going to change or delay the egg reserve uh, loss mm -hmm. or preserve somebody's uh, eggs. Now, so there's nothing that we can do to revert everything mm -hmm. back to what they were before. Mm -hmm. Meaning if somebody comes in at, for example, your, your friend, mm -hmm. she comes in, she says, I'm 40. Can you give me a medication or supplement so I can have the eggs of a 30-year-old? Mm -hmm. uh, there is no such thing, once again, as of today. So uh, that's, I think, an important concept mm -hmm. because, unfortunately, there are a lot of products out there on the Internet that are being promoted uh, for uh, women who may be more vulnerable to certain marketing activities. And so one has to be very careful with that. Now, there are a lot of supplements out there that are helpful for our general health, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, there's nothing proven mm -hmm. that would increase your egg reserve. In terms of improving the quality of the eggs that are already existing in your ovaries, as opposed to increasing the egg reserve, right? So those, that's mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about having uh, 100,000 eggs in the ovaries and doing something to the ovaries or giving a supplement then all of a sudden having 200,000 eggs, right? So there's no such thing. Okay. And if there's such a claim right. as of today, we know that that claim is false. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have 100,000 eggs left or 50,000, mm -hmm. can you do certain things to improve the health, the condition and preservation of those mm -hmm. eggs? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things we can do, such as the things that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Number one, Diet. Mm -hmm. So our diet is extremely important. What, as they say, you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. So we can improve our diet to make sure that we maintain a healthy egg reserve, preserve and conserve and maintain the eggs that are in our ovaries so that we don't lose those eggs in an accelerated way or fashion. So having a balanced diet is probably one of the most important things. Eating too much sugar or sugary products, simple carbohydrates, things that have a lot of chemicals in them, like um, foods in cans and jars that are like good for two or three years on room temperature. Right. right? I mean, if I put an apple here, we come back next week. That apple is not going to taste right. good, right? But sometimes you go to the supermarket and you look at the expiration date, it's like a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> and then how do you keep that fresh for two years? I mean, you put a lot of chemicals. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating that, that stuff goes into everywhere, not just your stomach. Mm -hmm. It goes into your ovaries too, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, once again, diet is probably one of the most important things that one can improve to maintain uh, a, a healthy reproductive uh, system. Mm -hmm. Number two is exercise, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Exercise is extremely important because exercise does so many good things to our body mm -hmm. that 
we should probably do another podcast about that. Yeah, good idea. Uh, so, we will. But it certainly <laughs> relieves stress, yeah. improves the blood flow, increases mm-hmm. cardiac output, mm-hmm. cleans up all the toxic output from our tissue, including the ovaries and the uterus, mm. relieves stress. And if you look at every single study related to exercise, there's some benefit. So exercise regularly, whatever the uh, level of the exercise might be, it can be walking, going up and down the stairs or doing something that's much more organized, uh, anything helps. Mm-hmm. Third thing is stress management, which mm-hmm. is a part of our life right now. We're still in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Everybody's stressed out. There's not a person in this planet that is enjoying this <laughs> right. you know, period of time. Uh, that would be <laughs> quite sure. odd, as a matter of fact. Right. So uh, everybody's stressed out, including right. our patients, yeah. people thinking about fertility, mm-hmm. trying to get pregnant or undergoing treatments. Everybody's stressed out. So whatever you can do to manage stress is going to be helpful. Because stress also has been studied and stress is definitely not good for the immune system, has been documented. It's also not good for the reproductive system. And severe stress is really detrimental to your health. I mean, people have dramatic issues under extreme stress. But regular day-to-day stress is also quite important and has a negative impact on reproductive uh, system and also the egg reserve. Wow. Next, I think, sleep pattern. Oh. If somebody has insomnia uh, or sleep disorder, that can cause a lot of stress on the body. Mm-hmm. Stress will uh, create an immune reaction that will not be friendly to fertility because mm-hmm. the immune system works very closely with the reproductive system. Uh, one has to sleep at least six or seven hours a day. Seven to eight is probably ideal. And then there are other things like supplements. So if somebody is thinking about fertility, they should just simply get on a prenatal formula but more importantly, a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. The best way to get your nutrients and the folic acid and all the A to Z vitamins and minerals and antioxidants is really through natural fruit products and not through some kind of a pill, mm-hmm. tablets, whatever capsule it is. If it's you know super ultra organic, uh, <laughs> you know, it's coming from the tree fresh, it's still in a bottle. It was Mm -hmm. still manufactured at some kind of a plant pharmaceutical company, Mm -hmm. and it is preserved for at least a year or two, which means there is still some type of chemicals or preservatives in that product. So the best way to get your supplements, folic acid, everything else is through food products. So that's why we're going back to the balanced diet concept, and that is really the way to go. But... Uh, at least 50% of us in the United States have an unbalanced diet. And that's why there is quite a bit of, you know, um, use of vitamins in our country. So uh, I think the use of a prenatal vitamin is certainly recommended. It's also recommended by the American College of OBGYNs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, I think, one thing that uh, can be considered Mm -hmm. for for preserving your fertility mm-hmm. in general. Beyond that, there are a lot of supplements out there. There are a lot of supplements that have been looked at or studied, but at the end of the day, really none of them have really been proven to be standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of studies that looked at certain supplements like CoQ10 and mm. cysteine and vitamin E, vitamin C people have looked at. Uh, there's a supplement called DHEA. I mean, th- you know, there, there are a variety of different type of substances and supplements. But once again, none of these, unfortunately, have really been proven mm-hmm. by good sound medical evidence. That doesn't mean that there are no studies on them. What we're trying to say is that there are no good sound studies mm-hmm. 
that we believe are landmark studies that change our management and how we counsel patients. Mm. But with that, I would say keep a balanced diet, manage your stress, keep hydrated and sleep tight. Right. And then just take a prenatal vitamin. If you want to get tested, call your local fertility mm-hmm. specialist, mm-hmm. get tested to see where you're at, whether there has to be any kind of intervention like uh, active treatment or egg freezing, embryo freezing, sperm freezing, whatever applies to your case. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Byrek. That is wonderful information. And I feel like you've gone over a lot of myths that are out there and really helped to debunk those myths. So I appreciate that all of your time and information. It's super helpful. And I hope this helps our listeners uh, who are considering, um, who are trying to get pregnant, maybe over 35 or 32, as you said, and um, may consider fertility treatments. And to our listeners, they can find out more about Dr. Byrak and LAIVF by visiting the LAIVF website, and which is www.laivfclinic.com, or follow Dr. Byrak on Instagram and Facebook at LAIVF Clinic. So thank you, Dr. Byrak. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks all for listening. Understanding Your Fertility is created by LAIVF. Please note that this podcast is intended for a broad understanding of the topics presented. It does not substitute for the medical advice or care of a physician-patient relationship. Podcast listeners should always consult with their healthcare provider regarding any medical condition that requires professional attention. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If the information on this podcast was useful for you, feel free to share it.